Hey friends, and uh, today we want to talk to you about Gideon Rescue Company. And again, I have my friend Brock here. Hey Brock. Hey, greetings. So tell us a little bit about Gideon Rescue Company. Um, how did it start and um, what's what's behind the name and, and just a little bit about the beginnings of it. Yeah, absolutely. So Gideon Rescue Company really is the outgrowth of a a degree program at Union College called International Rescue and Relief, um, started by Michael Durson, who operates a nonprofit group called Radical Rescue. And uh, Michael Durson's whole vision was to really train young people to be first responders into disaster, um, to be um, really helping to mitigate and also to, to respond. But not only that, but to give people hope in times of disaster. Um, and so that's the, that was the whole beginning of this idea. And so after going through this particular program, four-year degree program, uh, myself and Corey Mydell, who's actually our training officer for Gideon Rescue Company, um, who's not with us today. He's on an ambulance today. But um, that we got together and, and said, you know, we would love to see this degree continue forward or actually this opportunity continue forward even beyond, um, you know, our college program experience. And so we got the first opportunity to do that in Haiti in 2010. And it was an incredible experience. I mean, absolutely amazing. Um, just the miracles that happened, the doors that opened up. Um, and we had a team of four that basically bought one-way plane tickets into Haiti uh, after the earthquake in 2010. Um, and then just for two weeks that we were on the ground there, it was it was one of those moments that you're just like, wow, um, this is what I believe I've been called uh, called to do in life here on Earth. Um, so it was it was really an amazing experience. We, we could spend hours just talking about that. But you know, our name Gideon actually comes from a biblical story um, mm -hmm. if you read in judges chapter six you find this incredible story of this man gideon who really was the least of the least like he didn't consider himself to be anybody important mm -hmm. um, but god saw him as important and so um, he was called to step forward to play a very big part in uh, rescuing his countrymen in a very mm -hmm. dark time from a disaster it was it was, a, it was yeah. a national disaster that they were facing being invaded by the midianites um and so through his story you see the successive growth that gideon has in learning how to walk by faith and not by sight and he ends up he ends up calling together this very small group um and in fact through the story god actually whittles his forces down to a very small group it's less than one percent of his original fighting force that he started with um and he was able to do more with that less than 1%, those 300 dedicated hands, than he could have done with many, many more. Um, and we've seen the same same thing happen in our group as well, is that oftentimes um, some of the best experiences we've had in serving and helping others has been through um, what would seem to be an insufficient number of hands. But yet, when you have people that are very dedicated and surrendered and all on the same page, Mm -hmm. um, the sky is the limit, especially when, you know, God is in charge. And so that's, we draw our, a lot of our principles from the story of Gideon. And so after we've seen some of these trips come together like that as a group, we thought, man, 
you know, what better name than Gideon Rescue Company? Right. Yeah, that's an incredible story because it illustrates that it's not about the what men considers great. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the wealth. It's not even about the skills you have, although they can be very helpful. It's about being willing, you know, to step out in faith. It's about, uh, you know, trusting in God and His ability to provide, you know, and I definitely can testify to that from our last trip in Puerto Rico. I mean, it was only four of us, at least in this one instance. I know there were some other teams before and after, but in, in this group, and it's it's incredible how how many people we were able by God's grace to impact and to share hope with and and we were able to uh, you know go to these FEMA camps or just any camp any door was open to us without almost any obstacle because you know we were willing to step in faith and you know myself I'm not a you know trained in a, in a medical field or in a, even a rescue field. Um, I, I worked in a, a lifestyle uh, approach to depression and anxiety recovery program as a lifestyle coach. Right. And, you know, I, I definitely saw the impact of uh, combination of faith and natural remedies and what a huge impact it had on people's lives and, and what hope it can bring and relief. So, you know, just simply... Uh, joining on this last trip uh, it was very exciting and it taught me a lot of valuable lessons that I would say anybody that you know is willing to do something meaningful and something impactful this is a great opportunity so you mentioned uh, that this uh, idea uh, of Gideon Rescue Company started 2010 right and so how many different trips have you gone to since um Man, we'd have to sit here and count them all up, but it's been really yeah. an incredible journey. We've gone all over the world, you know, from Haiti to Jamaica to the Philippines, uh, uh-huh. to Indonesia, to the Bahamas, uh, to multiple uh-huh. missions here in the United States for disasters. Um, you know, it's 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 been growing with each successive year. But you know, you bring up a good point that I don't want to miss, and that is that um, you know, so often it's hard to judge like you know, who would make a good candidate for joining us and helping us? Because certainly there's always a need for hands to help us. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just by portfolios. I mean, you know, you see this a lot. You know, somebody will come with tons of credentials. You mean, wow, that person's like, I mean, they're amazing. They've got all these degrees, all these letters behind their name. But yet when it when it comes down to the nature of the work that we do in very stressful, high octane environments, you find out that that credentials and degrees and letters really don't mean a whole lot. You want you mm. want to make sure that the guy that's in the trench with you also has yeah. your has your back, you know, and that he's on the right. same page. And there has yeah. to be a cohesiveness. Everybody has to be working together for the same goal. Otherwise things fall apart really quickly. So we, we believe that training training is easy, you know, because you know, you can give training to anyone. That's not the difficult sure. part. The difficult part is finding the right hands to train. And mm. so this is a part of that getting rescue principle and the model that we operate is that we don't actually choose the team. We we put the call and the need out there, and then we just really allow God to direct the efforts and, and bring together the right people for the right opportunity. Um, and we have practical skills, you know, on, on that level, just to speak to that note. Um, you know, we, we, we have, um, you know, I was trained in rope rescue technician, swift water technician, um, 
you know, search and rescue. These are all very practical skills. You know, I work. And you're a nurse right now. I work as a flight nurse and I work as a flight paramedic. So we definitely have, you know, EMS skills. We have practical skills. These are all great things that we utilize as tools in helping people. Um, And also all of our members have the opportunity to gain some of that same training. You know, not everybody will become a doctor, not everybody become a nurse, but there, there may be opportunities in which to gain the rope rescue skills, for instance, or the swift water rescue skills. Um, and so a lot of our team members are, are moving in that direction. Um, and so, but, but that's, that's on the practical side, you know, we're, we're a disaster response company and there's a lot of different things that you face in a disaster and you never know. You never know like what skill set you may have that may be useful. You know, you mentioned um, depression recovery, um, and, and this is actually huge. You know, when we go to these disasters, we see that people um, need help with overcoming um, depress- depression. And so mm-hmm. the, the mental health aspect is enormous. And so we, we don't want to limit ourselves to just only everybody of one training, one, one you know, type yeah. of, of response we, we physical want, need but we want beyond, yeah. yeah we want people with multiple skills that join us in our efforts right yeah so uh, you you know I'm curious and I'm sure many listening how do you um, fundraise or finance all this because uh, you know it takes a lot of money right to, to operate to go to travel to basically it's a volunteer nonprofit so How do you you find that financial support? We are fully volunteer and we are fully non-profit, meaning we we never profit from any of our trips. Um, Yeah. But what's been incredible is that, you know, every trip we've taken, we've spent incredible resources. Um, But every single time we've gone, it's always been paid for. It's always been taken care of. And I think this really comes back to um, our philosophy and our belief in that Gideon model that, um, you know, God is the one that's putting together this team and he's the one that's putting together this mission. And so if that is really true, then uh, he's the one that ultimately pays for it. And uh, right. we, we've seen that time and time again, where if we are deployed, um, you know, on that mission, that, that he's the one that actually takes care of that, that expense. Um, yeah. And there's not, not to say it's not personally, you know, sure. there's no personal investment, because we also believe right. that it's important to personally invest in, in what you believe. Yeah. Um, right. So, you know, a lot of us have put our own money, you know, into plane tickets or transportation or whatever may be needed. But we also have seen that, I mean, it's been amazing. I mean, money has just come in from nowhere, it seems, where people hear yeah. about what it is we're doing. They say, hey, sure. you know, we'd like to give you 780 bucks. You know, here it is for, <laughs> for, for this response. Yeah. It's like, wow, like what a blessing. You know, we, right. we never asked for it. But here, here we now we have yeah. funds in which the to Lord provide provides. for yeah, what it is we need. You know, uh, when uh, we were coming to this last trip in Puerto Rico, uh, we were in Texas and we were in a, in, in a church. And so I was sharing something and I mentioned that we're going to this trip. You know, I never asked. I haven't asked anything. So uh, and then this man comes afterward with an envelope and he gives me uh, he gave me a hundred dollars. Like I, this is the second time I've seen him, you know. Yeah. And then uh, another person later on gave us a hundred dollars. So. You know, like you said, if you are, you know, willing to step in faith, of course, we didn't have those like promise before we go like, hey, you're going to get this money and then you go like that would be easy. Right. But we were willing to go regardless, you know, uh, because we believed that we were, we were called and we see, you know, it's not just that we 
help those people in need but we ourselves are blessed in return and i would even dare to say that i'm more blessed by doing something like this the, the meaning the the satisfaction you know uh by doing this than even the people we help and so it's amazing how god you know um provides uh, for these uh, when you step out in faith and a friend of mine said this um god's will god's bill you know so i know anybody <laughs> listening may be like hey you know i wish i can do this but I can't afford it i have family to feed i have bills to pay and so forth but you know that's not something that god is concerned about in terms of like he's not limited by our you know um financial limitations right. right if if you are willing then he will provide if he calls you he will provide you that's know right. he's you're going to be amazed right that's right that's we right. have seen it over and over again so do you want to share something uh, at the end yeah you know just those two points that you mentioned there, there's actually two biblical points that back us up on this and number one is that um you know uh the worker is worthy of his wage meaning that you know when we go to work for others and for god um mm-hmm. that god provides just like you said um and you know that we've seen it time and time again like you said um and then the other thing too is that we we try not to put ourselves in a box meaning that we try not to say this is what we're going to do because you have no idea like disaster yeah. the nature of disasters is total chaos so right. you know you may be placed in a position in which you're you're putting people on an airplane and evacuating them because that's you're there and now all of right. a sudden you see the doors opening up and it's like oh okay well god's putting us in this particular position to help people get on mm-hmm. airplanes and, and escape the disastrous situation or we've had it in Haiti where we were tasked with with food and water distribution and that got pretty pretty hairy really quickly because we had you know mass riots on our hands and how do you now deal with that so um so we've been in some really interesting positions or you know we've set up you know clinics uh in tennis courts you know in, in Haiti as well and we had a whole like just mobile machine and all of a sudden pop up with doctors and nurses and paramedics and now we're treating yeah. the sick the wounded the injured um and so we never know what it is that we're going to do um we have the skills and the training for different things that we think perhaps would be helpful but you know uh, in each disaster it's always different um right. know, we we have two rescue boats currently in our fleet in our arsenal right now um uh-huh. they're incredible boats but um you know those are incredible tools in which to physically get to people in floods um and yeah. pull them out but again you never know what it is that you're going to do and so we try to remain as flexible as we can and we like to see as many different skill sets uh on the team um right. and you don't have to be limited to say oh i know nothing about medical i know nothing about this if you're willing and if if you're called and god opens mm-hmm. the doors we have a place right. and a work for you yeah definitely i i i can te- testify to that so um uh, what are we going to talk about in our next episode you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah Um you know I think we're we're headed into discussing um disasters and in and, and we're talking a little bit about our team and who we are and I think as we get further along we're wanting to really dig into um you know why are we seeing these things happen around us like why are there so many disasters and so I'm excited cuz we've got a lot to share and uh we're hoping that you'll join us for the next episode. Yeah, please join us next time and uh keep looking up
So, Brock, you know, 2020 has been an interesting start. I mean, we had volcanic activities in Philippines, Mexico, Peru, right. Iceland. Right. You know, just right. Earth- we had, yeah, we had earthquakes. Yep. Um, I mean, together we went to Puerto Rico just after this massive earthquakes. And I think even up to this day, they're still happening. They've been having like, I think, 2,000 plus yeah. since yeah. the beginning of the year, right? And, you know, you know. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is is that the aftershock, specifically in Puerto Rico, is what's fascinating. Typically, we see a very strong earthquake, and then there's a lot of significant aftershocks right after. But then it tapers off after a time, and that's not the, that's not the case of what we saw in Puerto Rico, where the aftershocks right. actually continued many months after the initial event. And right. um, that's what's very unusual. And even yeah. just recently here, the, the, the earthquake in Utah it was a 5.7 uh, on the Richter scale, that was very concerning for people living there in Utah, which is not Salt Lake City is not a typical place um, where they're used to earthquakes. Um, so yeah. uh, there's a lot of concern. Right. And, and even today, uh, there was an earthquake in Croatia, which is very unusual. Like I, I grew up in Serbia, which is a country born in Croatia. I've never heard of an earthquake. I mean, there was one in the 70s in Macedonia. But like this earthquake was 5.4 mm. uh, and it was felt in Bosnia, in, uh, obviously Croatia being the, the epicenter, Hungary, Slovenia, Austria. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're definitely seeing some unprecedented, uh, you know, events taking place. And, you know, and, uh, yeah. And just for our listeners, so that so that they understand a little bit about earthquakes, um, you know, it's said that that for every point you go up on the Richter scale, so the difference mm-hmm. the difference in an earthquake of, of a magnitude of four versus a magnitude of five is ten times stronger every point you go up. So um, exponentially, you grow quite a bit just moving two or three points on the Richter scale. Um, wow. And so when you move into a difference between a point, I mean a five point zero versus a six point zero versus mm-hmm. a seven point zero, you can see why. Well, man, it didn't move up that much on the Richter scale, but you know exponentially each time it moves up, it's ten right. times stronger than the wow. previous previous point. Yeah, that's a good point. That's good to keep in mind. So we also have wars and rumors of wars, like yeah, you know, what happened in Iran with the. Uh, uh, military in- intervention of U.S. Yep. and then the retaliation of the Iranian government where they shot a civilian airplane. Uh, you know, yep. it, it was very escalating. Of course, we still have the um, conflict in Syria. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's so many wars going on and conflicts that people don't even, you know, hear about or know about because we're in the midst of a pandemic, uh, you know, right, <laughs> right. now. Right. Yeah. I, I don't even think we can keep up with the disasters. You know, uh, in fact, we just had a team on the ground in Tennessee, um, you know, that responding to the tornado that uh, started outside of Nashville. There was actually several tornadoes. I think it was seven right. different tornadoes with a combined destructive trail from Nashville, 85 miles to the to the east. Um, wow. and, and that's unprecedented. We haven't seen like, I mean, a continuous destructive trail, 85 miles long. Um, yeah. it's unreal and so it, it's difficult to even remember what happened um, a week ago because now we're gripped in this in the middle of this incredible pandemic um, and the fear that mm-hmm. is um, extending all over the globe yeah I know when the uh, World Health Organization uh, declared a pandemic I was thinking now 
they would need to declare another emergency called panic. Uh, right. It's, it seems to be even even more impactful than what's happening. But, you know, we'll just have to watch and see. But, you know, uh, sometimes I wonder, are we reading headlines or are we reading pages from the Bible? You know, if you think about it, <laughs> right. Matthew 24, it right. is a sermon on the Mount of Olives where Jesus gives an answer to his followers. He tells them what the signs would be before he comes. And if you if you look in Matthew 24, verse 6, it says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Mm. See that you not be troubled. All, for all these things must come to pass. Mm. But the end is not yet. And then he goes yes. on and says in verse 7, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence wow. and earthquakes in diverse or different places. And right. then... He ends this section by saying in verse 8, all these, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah, we, you know, we didn't even cover famines. You know, that, that right. is, that, that's one category of itself that we didn't even look at, but is always there. Um, in fact, in, in terms of... What about locusts? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. In fact, that, that was something I was going to say was, you know, locusts in, I think, Ethiopia right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the headlines that I've been reading on, on the locust plague that is there in, in uh, that part of Africa, it, they're saying is like of biblical proportions. Yeah. And, you know, the whole countries are being decimated uh, agriculturally because these locusts are destroying the food supply. Right. And now you've been telling me earlier about uh, comparing this to what we read in Luke 21. Uh, so you want to share that with us? Yeah. So it's a great point. There's another section there in Scripture, Luke 21, 25 to 27. And this is what um, Jesus is also saying as well. He says, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations mm. with perplexity wow. the sea and the waves roaring men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming upon the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then they shall see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory wow that's amazing you know you you read here it says the seas the sea and the waves roaring you know that reminds me of tsunamis Right. You know, it's, it's right. pretty interesting and we don't even, you know, have time to talk about that. But, no. uh, you know, people are wondering now what is taking place? Uh, I mean, what does it all mean? Is this a harbinger of, of some, you know, the end of the world or the doomsday or whatever, you know, people may think of. But, you know, if you go back to Matthew 24 and verse 7, Jesus used right. a very interesting word. Now it says, and all this these are the beginnings of sorrows so if you look at the the greek word behind the word sorrows it basically means a labor pain and so you know you're you're a nurse you know this uh, you know you have children but right. every every woman that gave birth that i've ever heard can confirm this and you know some of our listeners that the closer to the delivery of a child the pains are what they're more frequent Yep. they are more intense and yep. that's exactly what we're seeing yes there's always been disasters but this is unprecedented the, the frequency the intensity, the intensity. The in- yep. yeah the intensity the impact is just amazing it's off the charts and we're yeah. constantly you you hear in the on the weather yep. channel and other they're like oh we're gonna have to change the the criteria of you know this disaster right. and that disaster right. so right amazing it, it, 
that, you know, that's a great, great point that you make because we had talked about in a previous episode looking at our world in data yeah. and that chart from Oxford University and I think Stanford is on there and there's a lot of other leading uh, universities are contributing to this data. But mm-hmm. um, when you look at that data um, that's been collected, you actually see something very similar to what we see in um, if you're working on a labor and delivery unit in the hospital. Yeah. Because in a, in a labor and delivery unit in the hospital, we, we have this monitoring device that goes on the belly to measure um, the intensity and frequency of contractions. And there's a little paper that prints out from the machine that gives you a, a physical reading of those contractions so you can look at them. Mm-hmm. And, and when a woman first comes in, when she's you know beginning um, labor, sometimes we have things called Braxton Hicks contractions. Now, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not true labor at this point. They're actually kind of what we call false labor signs. Um, and, uh, you know, the progression is not going to be very quickly at that point. And so sometimes they even send women home. They say, well, you're not quite there yet. Um, you know, go home and labor at home. And then when it gets closer in time and when it gets more intense, you know, usually like when you're talking about two minutes apart, you're contracting at two minutes apart, then come in because delivery may be, you know, very soon after that. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly what we see here. And this was a great reference. What Jesus was saying is he was actually giving us an incredible analogy for women in labor and comparing that to the end of time what we would see and when you look at that chart our world and data it, it it is exactly like that you see kind of this you know intense period and then it kind of drops off a little bit and it goes down and then you see another intense period and drops off and goes down a little bit but the trend if you look at the trend over time you see that we are we are increasing and increasing and increasing we're not getting back to baseline normal um, and so that that is what is is so incredible about the data that we see. Um, and it reminds me actually of Paul, who backs this very same concept up in First Thessalonians 5, 3, mm-hmm. because Paul, Paul says, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a la- as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Mm-hmm. So. Um, this is where we have to be careful because um, right now we're in a very intense period. We're under a worldwide pandemic that is now disrupting our entire global economy. Right. And there are some very significant uh, consequences that are happening because of this. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me and say, do you think this is like the end of the end? Or is this the beginning where we're just going to we're going to spiral like- down out of control? <laughs> And, and yeah, then we're going to see all these crazy things that the Bible's talked about, or maybe even, you know, what, whatever worldview they hold, they say, you know, is this the very end? And I can say with confidence that, no, I, I don't believe we're going to see the end just yet mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of what scripture says and because of the yeah. analogy of a woman in, in labor. Right. And, and actually, I'm really thankful that, that this is the way God has designed both childbirth and the final events to take place at the end of time. Because if you can imagine, if we just continue to skyrocket out of control in terms of intensity, nobody would survive. Yeah. You know, like th- this would be absolutely awful. Yeah. But but thankfully, and I'm sure every woman can attest to this, thankfully that after a really intense contraction, you get a break and you get, you get time to breathe. Now, it would be foolish of a woman who is in true labor when she gets a break to say, you know what, I'm going to check myself out of the hospital and I'm going to go home yeah. and I'm going to you know, make myself a sandwich and I'm going to go about life as normal because I really don't think that this baby is going to be coming anytime soon. 
Um, and, and that's why Paul says this. He says that mm. you know people are going to say peace and safety. Right. So things are things are going to return to somewhat of a baseline normal. It won't be the normal that it was before. Right. But people are going to return to a baseline normal, and then they're going to say, "Hey, th- peace and safety. Let's invest. Let's let's do all these things that we did before." And then all of a sudden, boom. Here comes another contraction. Yeah, it's human nature to uh, hope for for be- best and better. And I hear people a lot say, "Oh, it's gonna get better." Just today, I went to Chipotle, and uh-huh. you know, I, I didn't see any person there but the four workers. So it was kind of strange. Uh, so I asked one of the girls. Uh, I said, "How is it going?" You know, in terms of the business and so forth. She is like, "We're we are down twenty five hundred in revenue," but. Then wow. she said, you know, but it'll get better. You know, it's it's her hope, and so you know, it's it's just a human nature, right? And uh, and I think you just reminded me of something that we really need to do. And I think we're gonna do a whole episode of talking about the sequence of events from Bible perspective, in terms of what can we expect next, and then leading all up to the end to Jesus coming, so people can know because a lot of people are saying. Is this part of the seven last plagues, you know, this pandemic or is that? It's right. like people are confused what comes next. So that's very important, you know. Uh, right. Very important to know the sequence because the Bible gives us that and we, we would do well to, to take heed. So, you right. know, uh, so we talked about a lot about different things that are happening around the world. Uh, but one question I know a lot of people wonder right now is, so what can we practically do about it, you know? There's something mm. we can do. Yeah, you know, and and there are some really great things that we can do practically. Um, and I think number one is we need to critically think about these things from maybe perhaps a fresh perspective. Maybe we've thought of these things um, in the way the world thinks about these things. Um, you know, science has a lot of answers out there, and sometimes they don't have answers. You know, there's a lot of scientists around that are puzzled. Why are we seeing this type of activity like we've never seen before? And and I believe you're going to see a lot of answers from the scientific community that are going to explain this from any position except for the real position that needs to be understood. Mm. And this is why the Bible is so powerful about this, because if you look at what we looked at there in Luke um, 21, you know, uh, Jesus lays out basically a very general timeline when he says that you're going to see these signs in the earth and then men's hearts are going to be failing them for fear. So there's going to be a lot of panic, not just pandemics. There's going to be panic across yeah. the world. Um, but then the very next event is that we're going to see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So this is this is the context in which, in which we must frame this discussion is that if the Bible is true, mm-hmm. if Jesus is coming again, then it is very important to realize um, this this perspective, like we need to stop and we need to think. That's number one. Right. Um, you know, and in Matthew six, uh, nineteen and twenty, um, Jesus again uh, in this in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us some really incredible advice um, there, which is applicable to us in this time now. He says, "Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust do corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal." But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth does rust, neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. And so this is incredible advice that we're given because there, there's part of 
I think the human nature that wants to doomsday prepare. Right. You know, you see a lot of this on online. You see people selling bunkers. Um, you see people selling, you know, food and ways to prepare food. And not to say that preparation is all bad. Right. But um, what I can say with confidence is that is that really when we talk about disasters, from our experiences as first responders into disasters. You cannot actually fully prepare for some of these disasters because、yes. they are so large in scale, because they're so large in scope that they catch the world off guard. I mean, even look at this pandemic. Like two weeks ago, maybe, or even let's just say three or four weeks ago, nobody would have ever thought that our economy was so fragile that a pandemic on this scale and this nature would have brought the whole world to a grinding halt. Um, and so, but here we are. So you know, you can prepare as best you can, but I guarantee you, the next disaster that's coming to coming to the town near you,、um, you won't be you won't be fully prepared. So if that's the case, how can we actually not just physically be prepared, but how more importantly, how could we actually be spiritually prepared? And I think this this means that we need to have a new perspective, an eternal perspective.、Mm-hmm. Um, And you know this is the thesis that the Bible is putting out. If Jesus is coming soon, then what weight does that have? What bearing does that have on our lives today? Right. You know that's a great point because, you know, we got to stop and think about what the Bible actually says instead of just doing like everybody else. You know, running around and just trying to survive to, to 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 provide for ourselves. You know, another、right. another principle the Bible gives us is. How we can remain calm in the midst of disaster? You know, I'm reminded of、uh, the story in the Bible of, of the disciples on the boat in in、mm. the in the storm with Jesus. What were they、yeah. busy doing? They were busy trying to save themselves, and they、right. were,、uh, you know, laboring. I mean, these were experienced fishermen who have seen many a storm, but they、mm. realized this is it. You know, we cannot.、Right. No matter what the skills they had and experiences, and how great the boat was, I mean, you know, they they were overwhelmed. Yeah, they were overwhelmed, and then they realized, as the last resort, it was like, oh, you know, where's Jesus? Like, and that's what a lot of people、right. often do is when everything fails, they're like, I guess all I can do is pray. Well,、mm. you know, instead of being the first thing that we should do, and you know,、right. the Bible gives us incredible promises. Especially in the times we are living in, and one of them is found in Psalms 56 and verse three, which says,、mm-hmm. "When what time I'm afraid, I will trust in Thee."、Mm-hmm. You know, so、wow. we don't have to fear what's、right. coming or what's around us. We can have that peace, like Jesus was asleep on the boat, not because he didn't care, not because、right. he didn't know what was happening, but because he had a perfect confidence in his Father. Also, think about Peter. Who was、mm. on a death row? What was he doing the night before his execution?、Uh, he was sleeping. He was asleep, and an angel came、yeah. and tapped him and woke him up. Like how many people are sleeping like a, a peaceful sleep before they're executed, right? right? I mean, right. it's not something that you know you can imagine, and yet it's not natural. Yeah, it's not natural. Usually, people people panic. What was Paul and Silas? What were they doing in the Philippian dungeon? In Macedonia,、mm-hmm. I mean, they were singing. They were singing, and that that doesn't happen,、uh, you know, naturally. That's a result of having God's peace in our hearts. They were praising God. They were singing psalms because psalms were, you know, most of them were written as songs. So, so we we definitely 
want to encourage anyone listening to take advantage of the opportunity. Now there's no, you know, uh, most of, of the programming on TV is all about the pandemic. A lot of right. entertainment is cut down, sports, so forth. Right. It's good time to it, it's a good time to get acquainted with God's word. So we right. we recommend st- uh, reading and memorizing psalms like Psalm 91. Yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned earlier uh, some other psalms like 46. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and also there's a great promise in Second Timothy 1:7 where Paul recorded and said, "For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power." Mm-hmm and of love and of a sound mind so wow. so we encourage each one of us uh that we should not buy into the world's spirit of fear you know if we right. if we listen too much to what the world says then we start thinking like the world you know and that's, that's not right. what god wants us to do we don't have to fear and worry because we have god we have his promises who is more powerful than mm. the circumstances and just uh, right. another promise in john 16:33, it says jesus says these things have i spoken unto you that in me you may have peace in mm. the world you will have tribulation mm. but be of good cheer i've overcome the world wow wow yeah man those are powerful what what an incredible opportunity for us to to take hope you know, even in the midst of disaster again, you know, and that brings us actually to our third point is that once we realize that we stop and we think and we're critically analyzing the situation for what it is and we take a moment to breathe and to remain calm and to fill our minds with with good things that are going to give us courage and hope, um, then we can take action, you know, and, and, and this is where it's really exciting because you know, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with fear of the situation. Mm-hmm. They, they have no idea what's coming upon the earth. Their hearts are failing them for fear. And here's here is the incredible opportunities that we actually can be um, of service to others who need help. And so serving others, that's our third point, mm-hmm. um, is, is something that we can practically do. And this is why Gideon Rescue Company actually exists is because we firmly believe that in serving others, it is one of the greatest remedies, um, not only for what the world faces in, in the challenges that we see in disasters, but it's also an incredible remedy um, to our own uh, health and perspective uh, in the world. So uh, there's no better opportunity than to help others at this time. And, and the reason is because we need each other, you know, like community is so important. Um, and I, I would just encourage anybody that, you know, once once you kind of carry some of these promises in your heart and you see that, that God gives you this peace that passes understanding, if you were to share that peace with someone else, you know, um, it, it can change their perspective um, or even change their lives. And uh, this is what's so amazing. You know, like, what about what about some of our neighbors and our friends? Maybe we have older mm-hmm. neighbors and in, in the wake of this pandemic, you know, I, I can only imagine what some of our older, um, you know, population must be going through at this moment because they see the world is in chaos. And, um, you know, they, they can't maybe go to the store. They maybe can't even get the basics in food or groceries or even mm-hmm. uh, medicine that they may need because they're fearful that they may catch this virus which has an 80% mortality rate for our older population. Right. 
Um, so uh, not an 80% mortality rate, but that 80% of the population that's infected is, elderly. Um, is yeah. of, the, of the elderly population. Right. So, you know, imagine if we could ease some of their burdens and ease some of their fears and check, on, check in on them. Hey, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, how are you guys doing? Um, are you guys okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Um, can I go to the store for you? Um, you know, um, that would be incredible. And there's, there's a phenomenon that happens in this. When we start looking to other people's needs, we soon forget just how um, large our problems actually are. Um, because we see others around us and we, and we say, wow, like these people are really struggling. Um, it makes my needs look very insignificant. Right. You know, what you just said, there is a Bible verse I was thinking about in Philippians 2.4, which says, let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Mm. So that is what we as Christians should be doing. We should be looking after others, you know, like you mentioned, elderly, widows. Uh, right. What about uh, single people or those who don't have anybody around? And, you know, we can be an encouragement for that for them as well. Uh, yeah. So, well, thank you for uh for sharing some of these incredible principles and promises and uh you know we're looking forward yeah. to another episode uh and we hope that you will you know find courage in god's word in his promises right. and that you will you know take this time to to uh, have a relationship with the lord and help others so uh, we we encourage you to spend time in god's word every day and we look forward yeah. to share uh, more with you in our next episode God bless. That's right. Well, hi, listeners. I'm very excited today. Uh, my name is Alexander, and I have my good friend here with me, Brock uh, Meyer. And hey. we would like to share with you uh, something very exciting that we've been involved in the last couple of years. So, Brock, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually really excited to um, be testing out and working on putting together our first podcast. So um, this is just kind of a, a milestone actually for us as a, a group. And our name is the Gideon Rescue Company. And the work that we do involves responding to disasters, um, disaster zones and people in times of need. That sounds great. Uh, I know you've been doing this for several years, and uh, I had a privilege to to join Brock uh, just recently in Puerto Rico. But I know Brock, you've been uh, involved in in many uh, different uh, disaster zones. I know you've been to Haiti. You've been to Bahamas lately. So tell us a little bit, uh, you know, from your perspective of your experience, uh, you know, in doing this kind of work and and. Uh, what have you learned from it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this really began uh, in my college experience. I, I had the privilege of taking a very unique degree in college from a small little Christian college in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, Union College by name, and the degree was called International Rescue and Relief. And uh, it was the uh, vision of an emergency room doctor that wanted to equip young people to be first responders in times of disaster, to help mitigate and manage disasters, but uh, more importantly, to point people to some solid um, answers and some hope 
in times of crisis. So that was the whole basis of um, this program, actually, that I went through in 2005 to about 2009. Um, mm. And I had a paramedic emphasis. So after that four years of undergrad studies, a bachelor in science, I actually got my paramedic license as well. And, um, and everything we took in that degree was, it was amazing because it was all hands-on, you know? So like we did, we did um, survival classes in Colorado and we did uh, jungle survival, ocean survival, beach survival. Um, I mean, some pretty amazing stuff that you don't ever get to experience in a college classroom setting. Yeah, um, for sure. So it was, it was amazing and um, spent some time overseas, went to Honduras for a whole semester actually and helped set up disaster plans for communities there in Honduras and ran some some local clinics as well. Um, So there was a lot that we learned in just the education, actually preparing us for being responders, you know, in times of need. Um, But then following that, I graduated from that in 2009. And then the earthquake happened in Haiti in 2010, January of 2010. And that really, I mean, that trip was kind of the inaugural trip for our group. Um, and propelled us forward into into a passion and a work that we have today in in being a first response into these disaster zones. Yeah, you you brought up uh, about disasters, and and I remember on our last uh, trip together in Puerto Rico, after the earthquake, you shared with me a very interesting um, uh, statistic from our world world in data, which is a, an Oxford University you know a website where they publish all kinds of interesting data like this one in particular we're talking about the number of rec- recorded natural disaster events all the way from the 1900s up until 2019 and what was interesting is the exponential growth uh, that you see just for an example in in the like 1900 year uh, there was about five natural disasters recorded and then you kind of fast forward a little bit to let's say 60s you got like 80 disasters in 1966 and then you come to last year we have 361 natural disaster like you can clearly see a tremendous growth uh, of these occurrences every year and i know last year was very very eventful we have um, you know the earthquake that happened in puerto rico well that was last year and this year We had uh, Australia fires, you know, nobody's even thinking about the California fires because we're dealing with uh, this pandemic right now. Mm. So there's so much going on. And, you know, I know so many people are wondering, uh, you know, is what does this all mean? Like, and so is that what, what do you find from your experience that it's been the most on people's minds when you know, uh, response, um, when you go to these areas and and help people. Right. Yeah. You know that you bring up a great point, you know, these disasters are happening so frequently that we actually don't have time to keep up with them. You know, today's disaster will be yesterday's old news because tomorrow is going to bring something unprecedented that we haven't seen before. And it's not, it's not Mm -hmm. just the frequency of these disasters, the intensity with which these disasters are striking is is quite amazing i mean the scientists are really baffled i I know with the string of uh, volcanic activity that happened um Mm -hmm. you know at the beginning of this year they were questioning that they're like we've never seen simultaneously Mm -hmm. across the globe all of these volcanoes erupting and causing problems 
Um, right. And so, you know, we're in uncharted territory. It seems like we're breaking records left and right. Um, and we're, we're seeing these mega storms and mega disasters. And uh, as, as a community, it, it's very difficult to grapple with these things. And so you, you ask, like, what is, the, what is the biggest thing on people's mind? And mm-hmm. I would go back to an age-old adage that, that probably many of us recognize. And that is, you know, you can live, um, you know, weeks without food. You can live even days without water. Uh, mm-hmm. You can even you can even live minutes without air, but you can't live a moment without hope. And and yeah. and this really is at the crux of what propels us into these disaster zones is because we feel that there's a gap that is not being fully addressed because there's a lot of humanitarian aid that goes forward that's very good. We have very excellent teams that are going forward. You know, all these um, tried and true. Uh, groups that have gone out for years responding to the needs of humanity and uh, their work is absolutely indispensable but mm-hmm. but many times what we see is that in the humanitarian effort because it's so overwhelming what often gets neglected is is inspiring people with hope you know because you, you can give them food you can even pull them from the rooftop you know of their flooded home and you can set them down in, in a safe zone but you know, they're asking these really big questions like, okay, now what? Why am I here? Where are we going? Why are we seeing these disasters increasing? And it's those answers that people are grip grappling with um, mm-hmm. that uh, we find one of the biggest needs is to answer, you know, to give them, give them hope, give them an answer um, for why are we seeing these things. Yeah, that reminds me of one experience I had when I was involved in a disaster response, one of the hurricanes a couple of years ago in Texas. And we were in this home and and the water was, uh, you can see a line of like six and a half feet or so. So everything uh, was underwater and the lady told us her two cars were underwater, everything she had. And she was just like, uh, she said, you know, everything I have, I lost. I have nothing to to tie me to this world anymore. Those were her words, you know, and it was kind of interesting. It sounded like she's thinking, you know, uh, I mean, if this is what the life is about, like, is there anything more to hope for? I mean, is there any hope for the future? Uh, things are kind of out of control. And so that's what I find that is one of the greatest needs that you brought up, that people are looking for something more. Right than this world, you know? And and, uh, and that's the point. You know, what's going to get you through the next 24 hours? You know, what's going to get you mm -hmm. through the next 72 hours? What if you've lost everything to the point that now you're going to be in a tent? You know, um, there actually are people in Haiti that are still Mm -hmm. living in tent communities post-earthquake. And that earthquake was now over 10 years ago. Yeah. So so what is is going to keep you moving forward, even though the world (laughs) around you has totally been changed? Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and we've seen this, you know, tragically, even when we were in Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas this last yeah. year, um, mm-hmm. somebody told us this really tragic story that, you know, um, a, a father brought his entire family to the airport where we were, eva- where we were evacuating people on planes, you know, getting them out of that situation because it was just such a devastating situation. And he dropped, he mm-hmm. dropped his entire family off. And, and then as soon as he dropped them off, he pulled out a gun and he ended his life. And, wow. and, you know, I, I always wondered, this is something that's in the back of my mind, it's like, what if our team could have been there maybe even a few hours before he made that decision? You know, because what was he grip, What was he really struggling with? Mm. He was struggling with a loss of hope. 
and he, could, he right. couldn't see beyond his 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 devastating circumstance that he was in and um and that's the need i mean overwhelmingly we see it over and over again displayed that what people need most it's not food it's not water it's not life safety these things are all important and they all have the place and sometimes it's it's actually a combination of all these things at once but what trumps right. every single one of these things is people mm-hmm. have to have hope hope yeah you know that reminds me of a story i read not long ago um this young man he he decided to take his life and um so the place of choice where he was going to end his life was uh, uh famous or rather infamous the golden gate bridge in san francisco so he took the public bus he he came there and he was standing on the bridge looking over the edge and just uh you know struggling in his mind and you know he um he wrote his last you know goodbye note and he had a, his little backpack he was a young man and you know uh but he was still hoping for some kind of a savior you know mm-hmm. he in his mind he was like a first person that comes and asks me is everything okay or you know do you need anything or can i help you he's going to he's going to tell that person everything that's on, on his heart mm-hmm. and just kind of you know find some hopefully relief and some hope and encouragement that he needed and so as he was just standing there and struggling you know thinking about everything and the next step uh this girl came and uh she had a beautiful smile blonde hair and she was just approaching him and he looked at her in his heart he like he was thinking she's my savior you know mm-hmm. and then and then she pulls a camera and says um would you mind taking a photo of me and he was like sure so he took a photo of her and you know uh he gave her the camera back she thanked him and she took off and he said you know nobody cares mm. and then he decided to jump and you know the reason we know the story is because he left he left his note there but you know i i often wonder how many times do we go through life like this girl you know we're just thinking about ourselves mm-hmm. we're thinking about our, our own you know uh needs or our own desires yes. and we have no idea you know what people are going through and maybe just a simple encouragement uh, uh you know right. uh, could have saved this man's life and so that's what i think really people need people are looking for that right absolutely So uh you know tell us uh, a little bit of your uh, some of your recent experiences uh you know I mean to, you know together we went to to Puerto Rico and like what made the biggest impact on you over there You know it really is just a continued demonstration of the same theme that we keep talking about you know that what people need is is hope you know they need encouragement mm-hmm. that that the sun is going to mm-hmm. rise again tomorrow and um that that is just especially in times like these you know like when we face just the craziness that's happening all around us whether it be this disaster or this pandemic um you know people want to know what can i hang on to especially when the things that they've been hanging on to pro- prior to these events um have been swept away um mm-hmm. you know this world is fragile you know our economies are fragile um our lives are fragile you know i work in pre-hospital medicine and you know i i yeah. see this um so often you know working as a flight nurse and a flight paramedic um you know that life is so precious but life is also very fleeting 
mm. and um, and you know, Fragile. well, yeah. we may be one moment thinking that you know the world is mm-hmm. great and everything's going fine, and the next yeah. minute we're faced with some very challenging questions um, about right. life itself. And so, you know, we saw this. You and I being in Puerto Rico, it was like you know people that we met. You know, they had, they had yeah. been through a lot and they had been asking these same questions. And so, you know, where do we turn in times like these? That's that's always the biggest question that keeps coming back to us. Right. And I think that's what we want to talk about. So I would uh, invite our listeners to join us in our next episode. We're going to share more about uh, our experiences uh, specifically uh, and also where they can find hope in times like this. So. I don't know if you want to share something at the end, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I think no, that's this, great. this will be join yeah. us. Join us on the next one because, man, we've got a lot to share and we don't have enough time right. to share it all. So we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah. Keep looking up, friends, and we'll uh, looking forward to share another episode with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right.